Amen, amen. Amen, amen. The stewards are providing ice water. I can see at the back there. And just, just grab one if you need one. Um, get, keep cool in this lovely weather. Um, please don't wait. Just go and grab one. And um, we can jump into God's word uh, this morning. Thank you, Quay. What a wonderful worship team we've got. You know, and these guys, these guys live it. They really live and embody worship. And you can really sense that, can't you, when you feel the Spirit of God moving amongst us and uh, how these guys lead us in that. And they lead by their, their lives and their example. Um, and I think that's really important, isn't it? It's not just that we're doing a stage performance up here, um, but we want to embody the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's it. We're not playing. We're not acting. We are living this. And um, I don't know why I'm talking about that. But anyway, there you go. We're going to jump into the Word of God this morning. I began a series, a three-part series, uh, a couple of weeks ago um, about being called into Christ, being called into fellowship with Jesus Christ. And I believe the Holy Spirit is calling us. He's calling us. If you have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you, as to us, to each and every one of us, I hear a calling. And I hear it. Do you hear the calling of Christ on your life? And I think that comes with empowerment, and it comes with a, a conviction, and it comes with a steadfastness that says, listen, I'm not going to move from what God's called me into. He's called me into fellowship with his son and I'm going to walk it and I'm going to live it and I'm going to bring the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone that I see. Amen. Called into Christ. Yes. Okay, let's jump into the scripture. I give thanks to my God. This is the Apostle Paul from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 to 10. I give thanks to my God because of the grace that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. This was my first point, and it was a while ago now, but you can have a listen back. I had a listen back um, yesterday, and uh, I put it on the old podcast. I doubled the speed, made myself sound like um, uh, Mickey Mouse or whatever it is. But uh, listening along, saying, oh, yeah, that was a good point, Giles. Good, well done. bit quick, but good point. The grace that Paul recognized in the Corinthian church, I think was a miracle in itself because they had some issues in that church. The, the, the humanity that they had was certainly seemed to be stronger than the godliness that they had. But Paul says, listen, I see some grace in you, but I pray that you are enriched in that grace. But I see it in you. And he says, you're enriched in him in speech and knowledge of every kind. Now, speech and knowledge we talked about the other week was about spiritual gifts. And then we talked about not lacking in these spiritual gifts. It seems that the Holy Spirit is meant to empower us in the way we speak, in the way we prophesy, in the way we bring the Word of God into our lives. It's not just enough that it's on the page. It has to be in our hearts. And if it's in our hearts, you can guarantee it's going to come out of our mouths. Um, but he will strengthen you, it says here, that you'll be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ because God is faithful and by him you are called into fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, because of this fellowship, 
I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you should be in agreement, that there will be no divisions among you, but you should be united in the same mind and same purpose. So this morning I want to look at just that simple message of unity. And unity was a big problem in Corinth, and he addressed these issues when it came to different factions in the church. Very mixed culture, um, but when it came to the good news of Jesus Christ, Paul was not willing to compromise. In his letters, I spoke about this the other time, that Paul is always looking to the church to act in in the light of the end goal. In this case, he calls it the day of Jesus Christ. This is the day that Jesus spoke about, the inauguration of his kingdom, when the revelation of Christ or the revealing of Christ will come. And in the meantime, we're meant to be waiting with expectation, with hope and faithfulness and faithfully serving God with that end in mind. This faithfulness or faith is the key to us playing the part in the here and now. So we have a dual focus. It's here and now, but it's also what we shall be. What will we be like in the end? And now we are living, understanding that the purposes of God have an end game. And this future goal sets us on a path where we follow Christ, we set ourselves in the right direction, and we walk with purpose towards this end goal. That end goal, that that word in Greek is telos. And the idea in ethics was in the end, what kind of person do you want to be? You know, I think, what does it look like to be a good employee? What does it look to be like a good friend? What does a good friend look like? What does a good wife or a good husband look like? What does a good father or mother look like? And we look to our telos, our end goal, and say, what would I be like if I could fulfill all the purposes and be the person that I'm supposed to be and I will be in the resurrection? And then begin to live and walk in that path. So we have a direction, we have a purpose, and we have a goal. I was talking to someone this week, and we're talking about, um, it was addiction to alcohol and drugs. And it was, they they liked the alcohol and drugs. That That was the point of the conversation. But I said to him, you need a purpose in your life that's better than the alcohol and the drugs. You need something to say, listen, I'm going to leave behind these temporary things that I know don't satisfy in the end because I've got an end goal and I've got a purpose and I've got a direction. You need an adventure in life, don't we? We need something to say, I've got purpose, I've got direction, I've got goal. And I think we're going to find it in the scriptures here um, and, and hopefully apply some of those to us today. See, for the what kind of person should I be or could I be is found in the new creation. It's found in the new person we are in Christ Jesus as we look for the resurrected life and begin to live that now. So the three points I brought out, I've I've recapped briefly, but grace has enriched you. The pastoral heart of Paul that saw with such spiritual insight that lifted them up to the point where they said, yes, I've got God's grace in my life. Yes, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I've got the Spirit of God dwelling in me. And lifted their eyes to see who they could be by recognizing God's grace in them. The other week I spoke about not lacking 
in spiritual gifts, that speech and knowledge. And while we're waiting for Christ's appearance, we're not meant to be lacking in the spiritual gifts. We're meant to operate in these in daily, in our speech, in our prayers, in our dealings with others. We're meant to desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then today I'm talking about unity as the body of Christ being united. While we wait for the end, unity of one heart, one mind, living with the same purpose, living for a purpose that's bigger than ourselves, living in a way that knows that we are one body, we have one purpose, one heart. And Paul says this to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, you have so many gifts. There are gifts of the Spirit, but they serve one purpose. And each manifestation, this is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 to 7, each manifestation of the Spirit is for the common good. You know, Paul thought that unity and working for each other and being united was so important. He dedicates chapters to this. And each, pretty much each one of his letters is talking about this unity. And he's got some Greeks, he's got some Jews, he's got some that think they should be circumcised and some, some think they shouldn't be circumcised and some think we should follow a more Greek-style philosophy or we should follow a more Roman-style or a Jewish-style. And he's trying to bring all these together and unite them in one purpose. And he's saying the spiritual gifts that we have, that we shouldn't be lacking in, are uniting us. They're for the edification of the whole body till we come in unity. And then he's talking about common good. Now, common good means that within our sphere, we have a role to play. Your role, our role, is to play and act what's good for everybody. I think we can live in an individualistic society that only looks out for ourselves and our own needs. And as long as I'm happy, it doesn't matter what I do and it doesn't matter if it affects everyone else. But in Christ, we're not called to selfishness. We're called to selflessness. And working for the common good is, means that there are no insignificant parts. The body, he says in Romans 12, that we are members individually of one another. We have gifts, gifts of faith, of prophecy, of ministering, of teaching, exhorting, of giving, of leading. Of, and so he says, be diligent and compassionate and be cheerful. That's Romans 12, verse 5 to 8. You see, we're not an insignificant appendix. We are a vital part that is connected to each and every one of us around. Do you know that you're not, you're not an island? You're not in yourself and nothing you do affects everyone else. I mean, say you know six people. How many know six people? And those six people know six people. That means you're influencing 36 people. And those 36 people know six people, and that's 200 and, come on, mathematicians, 212 or something like that. And those 200 and whatever it is know another six people, and then you've just got over 1,200 people. So you're like four steps from over 1,000 people. You're connected. You're connected. You're, what you do is influencing. If you can influence six people, you can influence a thousand people. And I think this speaks to how we are connected to one another. We're many parts, but we are essentially one. That's my first point. Second point is the oneness 
of the body is something that Jesus Christ himself thought was really important. That oneness actually among the body reveals who Christ is. And if we're meant to reveal who Christ is, we can do that through the unity of the body and the fellowship of the Son. Jesus spoke to his disciples in John 17, and he prayed this, didn't he? He said, I pray that they will be one as I and the Father are one. I in them and you in me, let them be completely one so that the world will know that you have sent me and you have loved them even as you loved me. John 17, 23. This oneness is something that we have to fight for in our relationships, in our marriages, in our homes, with our children. We need to fight for this oneness that says, okay, there may be things that would try and separate us and we could disagree on. You know, we might begin to talk about politics and we can disagree on those. We can disagree on some of Christian doctrines. We can disagree on the way we enact the Christian life. But one thing that brings us together is this purpose that Paul had in mind, and that is Christ Jesus himself. And it's that fellowship with the Son. John picks this up in his letters in 1 John, and he writes that we have fellowship together in the foundation of our fellowship with Jesus Christ the Son. And he talks about how God is light, and in, as we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. What does it mean to walk in the light? It means that we're transparent. Certainly when it comes to God, we can't hide anything, can we? But maybe you, we're used to keeping secrets. Maybe we're used to... Um, keeping ourselves to ourselves and not sharing it with another. And perhaps there's times that we've struggled and the trial that we've felt is we're like we're the only one that's going through it. And I think that's the work of the enemy that wants to keep us isolated. And God says, come on, you're not alone in this. The struggles that you face are struggled by your Christian brethren and sistren all around the world. So by... Being in fellowship with one another, sorry, being in fellowship with Jesus Christ the Son results in us being in fellowship with one another. This is the basis of our fellowship. It's not that we come from the same kind of culture and background. It's not that we have the same political view or the same opinion. It's the fact that we have fellowship with Jesus Christ. And just like Paul, he says, I recognize the grace of God in you. I recognize Christ in you. And if I can recognize Christ in you, then we can have fellowship one with another. And we can put behind our diverse opinions and political views because we serve the same God. So Paul, the final point here. Paul is trying to deal with so many issues and some of the disagreements that they had taking each other to court, um, some uh, sectarianism that they're saying, well, I serve Paul, uh, you know, I serve Apollos, I serve Peter, you know, and this cross-cultural community that almost has this tribal attitude towards it. And these tribal factors were beginning to hinder what God was speaking and tried to getting in the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Much like today, I think some of what we call our group identities is getting in the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And these tribal issues are as strong today as, as they were back then. But Christ being our focal point allows us to, be, to have differences. And Paul says, let us be united in purpose. What was the purpose he was talking about? Well, anyone who trusts in Christ, trusts in Christ for the power of his salvation, begins to form the church. That's how the church is formed, that Christ is in fellowship with all those who trust in him. Whether they know a lot about God, whether they've been a Christian a long time, uh, a short time, they put their trust in God. And as that begins to develop, you recognize others who have trust in God, and then we can start trusting Christ. Then we can start beginning our fellowship. And then it doesn't matter if you know, there's differences of opinions. As long as those differences of opinions do not subvert faith in Christ. As long as it comes to, to unity, Paul was saying, I'm not, I'm not contemplating a specific creed or doctrine or particular belief. I'm contemplating Christ. Christ is not divided. So why would we be divided? divided? So when we recognize the death of Jesus Christ, then the church can be founded. If we take away the death of Christ, his resurrection, his gift of the Holy Spirit, our redemption, his ascension, and his returning. You know, there's certain things where we say, listen, we have, we've got to agree on the, the fundamentals of this. We cannot take away the crucified Christ. Paul says there, doesn't he? Um, he says, was Paul crucified for you? When trying to deal with, I'm following Paul, I'm following Apollos. The essential is Christ and him crucified. The death, the resurrection, the ascension is foundational because why? Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all deserve punishment for the sin of unbelief, for sins that have separated us. There is no redemption. There is no salvation in any other name than Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has done all. He said, it is finished. It's accomplished. And through faith in that name. What does that mean to have faith? It means that I repent of my old life and I believe. I actually think that word repent and believe is kind of a one motion action. We can't continue living our old lives as if we are unbelievers, Paul would say to them. You can't keep living this way because your life has been changed and has been transformed and you are a new creation. The redemption we have is only in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus alone. We cannot compromise on these, on these things. Repent and believe. Turn around, that word means repent. Change your mind. Change your way of thinking. Come into relationship and fellowship with Jesus Christ. And that is simple, saying, God, you know what? I've messed up. I live my own life without you, and I choose to turn around, and I choose to respond to your gospel. For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, Paul would say. The death, the resurrection. There is no other name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone must repent and believe and come into fellowship with Jesus Christ. I want to close where I started.
God is faithful, it says. God is faithful. And by him, you were called into fellowship with his son. I think this morning's message is a calling into fellowship. Are you in fellowship with Jesus Christ? Then you can be in fellowship with one another. Now he says, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you should be in agreement. There should be no divisions among you, but united in the same mind and same purpose. What's important to Paul as he's speaking to the church in Corinth, we are waiting, but while we are waiting, we are serving faithfully. And we are playing our part. And we're looking to the end goal. We're looking to the day of the resurrection. We're looking to the revealing or the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he will not allow these divisions come in the way of the gospel being preached. And today we see so much conflict in the wider church, between churches, that these arguments then become the focus. And often those arguments are seen as irrelevant by the people outside. We maybe need, like the Corinthians, to be reminded that God has called us. That the Spirit of God has come into our lives, that He has given us grace. He has given us spiritual gifts. We're not meant to have a form of religion that denies the power of God. We are meant to be changed and transformed. We're not meant to live in our old life. We're meant to embrace the giftings of the Holy Spirit that God has for us. And we can walk together in the light of the glory and the knowledge of God. Walking in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lusts of our flesh, but walking and keeping Christ as our focus, Romans 12 says. Leaving behind all the things that would slow us down or ensnare us. Keeping Christ as the head and us as his body, working together and not allowing the hindrance of the preaching of the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Come on, band, let's finish with a song. Let's pray. I want us to be reminded of the grace of God in our lives, that the grace enriches us and empowers us to be changed and transformed. Come on, you're not the same person you were when Christ came into your life. True? True? Your testimony, your story, you're not the same person. And I believe we're going to be constantly changed and transformed as we see Christ. We're going to be like Him because we're going to see Him as He is. I'm going to stop there. I could preach that again. Thank you, Jesus, that we have purpose. We have direction. We have you in our lives. And we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. Fill us again with your Holy Spirit. Reveal and manifest your gifts of your Spirit within us to a greater measure in our knowledge, in our speech, in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for that unity, for that oneness of your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.